You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Dealing with expectations... In this podcast, Eckhart answers questions from a live audience about issues many people can relate to, like what to do when you start to compare yourself to others, how to turn family arguments into opportunities for conscious relationships, and surprisingly, how anger can be used as a tool for spiritual growth. Hi, Eckhart. Hi. I often find myself comparing myself to other people my physical appearance compared to other women. And it gets very tiresome, as you can imagine. And I was wondering if you had any practical advice for, for helping dissolve this. Okay, thanks. And I assume sometimes you come out as better than, <laughs> and at other times as not as good as, is that right? Yes. And better than feels good, and not as good as doesn't. It all feels tiresome, to be honest. That's a good point to reach, to get tired of an old pattern uh, like that. Then you're ready to let go. As The Course in Miracles puts it, comparison is one of the favorite ego devices to keep the ego going. It, or it keeps itself going, especially by comparing, whether the comparing is to do with external appearance, or comparing other things, evaluating others in comparison to how in your own mind you evaluate yourself. It could be to do with knowledge, education, class, social class, strengths, physical strengths, how many possessions he's worth such and such amount of dollars and I'm worth so much more than he or so much less than he all kinds of things. Implied in that is a sense of desire on the part of the ego to enhance its sense of worthiness. And if anybody has less than you, or appears less than you, or can do less than you in some nonsensical way, it seems to add something to your sense of self. Of course, it doesn't make sense. It's a little bit absurd, but that's how the ego functions. And in reverse, it feels to the ego as if somebody has just achieved something or that you haven't achieved. It feels to the ego as if something of its sense of self had been taken away. 
So it gets deflated and, and is not happy. If you're really trapped in ego, you are not happy when something good happens to somebody close to you. <laughs> because it feels to the ego as if it had become diminished because somebody else has become enhanced their identity in the eyes of the ego. You can see when you explain it in this way so that you can actually see how it operates, then you realize that, that it is absurd to feel you have become less because somebody else has received more of something or can do something that you can't do. <laughs> and so you can see how unreal that sense of identity is. You feel diminished because something good has happened to somebody close to you. And in some cases, if the ego is very strong in you without any trace of awareness, you cannot even admit to yourself that you feel bad when something good has happened to somebody close to you. <laughs> it's, it's there as an unreal, an unwitnessed emotion, and then it might come out in your, uh, when you speak to that person with a desire to diminish what they now have that you don't have. And it's totally unconscious. With you, you are not totally unconscious. There's already an awareness in you that is aware of that pattern. If there were no awareness in you, you wouldn't be asking that question. You wouldn't be sitting here. You would be acting out that pattern. And next time somebody in your vicinity has just bought a new dress that looks absolutely stunning, you would look at it, if you were totally trapped in ego, you would look at it and, and something inside you would contract. <laughs> but you wouldn't know that because there wouldn't be enough awareness for that. But that contraction as an energy field would then flow into your mind. And then words will come out of your mouth, again unconscious, to diminish the worthiness of that dress and you might say, oh, that dress, that would look good on your sister. <laughs> <laughs> and the other person who perhaps is also identified with the, completely with the appearance suddenly feels hurt deeply. And in both cases, the famous saying applies, they know not what they do, which of course points to complete lack of awareness. So in that sense, some people hurt each other and try to take away in order to feel. And the moment the ego is said that would look good on somebody else, it feels a little bit better already because you've taken away a bit from the, the value, the, the perceived value of that thing. It's a delusional system, <laughs> but uh, many people are still totally trapped in that. Not with you, of course, that's not the case with you. You're not totally trapped. It still operates in you to some extent, but not totally trapped. So there's some connection with value, like your own sense of worth or worthiness, which is connected to your external appearance. It could be connected to other things. It may also be connected to other things. So there's a, an image in you of who you are. It's a surface image of the surface appearance of your body. And the solution, of course, is very simple. It's to take your attention beyond the surface 
where it usually is the surface of your body, the surface of that which is on top of your body, the clothes. Take your attention deeper to the inherent energy field or aliveness or conscious presence that pervades who you are, the entire being. Nothing to do with the external, nothing to do with the shape of the body or what's on top of the body. And if you begin to go there into that dimension, take your attention into that dimension where you are not the external form, but you sense the very essence of who you are, you sense the life that you are beyond the form, then you no longer need to identify with form. You're no longer then threatened when somebody else's form is seemingly better than yours. It no longer does anything to your sense of identity or your sense of worthiness. And then you're free. And you're free to ad admire somebody else's good looks. And you're free to be happy with the way you look for the time being until years pass. And then perhaps the body doesn't look that great anymore after a few more decades. You have a few decades to go. But they pass fairly quickly too. <laughs> and the further you go, the more quickly they seem to pass. It's strange. And so the time comes when you notice a deterioration in the appearance and then you begin to notice that most women around you actually look better than you for the simple fact that they're younger. <laughs> and you can appreciate the way they look because they, they are a manifestation of life without feeling threatened in any way in your own sense of self because the life of which those lovely women around you are manifestations you can sense that very life in its essence in you. So you can acknowledge all the beauty that is in others, even though in the external form of you that beauty may no longer be manifested as such. And that's wonderful freedom to appreciate the beauty that you see around you, even if your own body is no longer part of that. Because there is a beauty in you that has nothing to do with form. And that one could call that the essence of all beauty. That's the very essence of life itself. So when you have the essence, you, you appreciate the external manifestation of it in its so-called, one could say, diluted form in the flower. Now, most egos are not threatened by flowers, but in, a, in another human being, you can appreciate the beauty in another human being. And the comparison, the compulsive need to compare disappears. There isn't, oh, what about me? Do I look as... That, that thought pattern dissolved long ago by the time you reach the point where most women will externally look better than you. By the t then it's disappearing already, so you don't need to wait a few more decades to get there. <laughs> or the ego can say, okay, I have another 30 years of, I can identify with my good looks. <laughs> so the answer, of course, is then find the essence of who you are, which, which is what all this teaching is always about. Find the essence of who you are so that you 
get in touch with the inherent sense of beingness or aliveness or presence within you, which pervades the entire so-called physical body, but is not the physical body. And as I speak about it now, you should be able to feel that within you, the, the fact that there is an aliveness that pervades your entire being. Can you feel that? That is more essentially who you are than the external appearance of who you are. And that is going to be exactly the same in 30 years' time as it is now. Then you become free of form. You are essentially the consciousness behind it all. So know yourself as that life or consciousness. There's the same no thing. Know yourself as that, and you're free of the ego. The ego is there as a substitute. It's to seek yourself in some form. That's the delusion. And that's cre it creates an unhappy life. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. It's, it's also liberating to see the absurdity of the ego. <laughs> Once you see how the patterns that I just, uh, just described just now, you can see how mad it is to feel diminished when something good happens to somebody else, to feel enhanced when something bad happens to somebody else, and not even know it. <laughs> so let's see what happens next time. And the same thing happens with a beautiful object, whether it's a natural object or something that is ob a man-made object. You can appreciate the beauty of whatever form, again here, without the ego need of owning it. Oh, I'd love to have that and keep it and make it mine. You may see in some shop windows, you see actually beautiful human-made things. And you can appreciate the beauty for 30 seconds or one minute without feeling necessarily the need to go into the shop and say, how much is that? I want to have it. Because I will feel enhanced in my sense of self or aliveness if I have that object and add it to my life. <laughs> Which doesn't mean that you never buy anything, and you might find yourself going into it and buying a lovely object, but not out of the need to have it, just simply appreciating its beauty. I wouldn't mind having that around for a while in my place and appreciating the beauty, so you can, but many times you will find it's enough to look and feel the recognition of beauty, and you walk on. Now, this may not be good for the economy. <laughs> 
but that can't be helped. There will have to be changes in the economic structure of the world that we have created. That's inevitable. So <laughs> we are not here to feed the old patterns, neither inner nor outer. Thank you. Hi, Eckhart. I have met people in my life that have an awareness and an intuition that can only come with presence. That's very attractive and it invites trust. So my question is, can presence be used to manipulate or use others? I, without going into detail, would you say that you have experienced something like that? Yes. Now, presence cannot be used, but presence can arise and then be covered up again, and then the ego returns and claims something. It claims ownership of presence. That's one thing that can happen. It claims the ownership of the power that is in presence. That's the, the downfall of, of frequently of spiritual teachers who have periods of egolessness when the ego has become dormant or stepped aside and presence arises, but the ego is still lurking in the background and then it reasserts itself. And then you know it when that the spiritual teacher claims some sort of specialness for him or herself when he's, he says, I'm the most advanced human that ever lived and ever will live on the planet. <laughs> and then you know that probably the ego has crept back in, even though that teacher m might have uttered beautiful words only a few weeks ago, inspired words. So that can happen and has happened. There are certain abilities that some people have. That's now the second part of the answer. There are certain abilities that some people have that sometimes look as if they uh, were uh, things that only an awakened human being, an ability that only an awakened human being would have. It sometimes appears like that. For example, what in India they call siddhis, which are psychic powers, people who are able to have sometimes clairvoyant or can can tell you what the name of your grandmother was and at what age your grandmother died. They can perhaps influence others, infuse their own will into others and make people do certain things that otherwise they would not do. They can have a hypnotic effect on others. And sometimes it looks to an outside observer as if you were looking at a highly evolved being, an enlightened being, but that is not necessarily the case because there are many humans who have psychic powers which do not necessarily go together with spiritual realization. But if you don't know that, you can easily be led to believe that these things can only come out of spiritual realization. If I levitate it, here and now, and somebody films it, then suddenly large numbers of people all over the world would believe that I am the most highly evolved human being on the planet. <laughs> but it could be that I simply have certain psychic powers, like an athlete on the physical realm has developed enormous abil physical abilities that other humans don't have because he or she has trained certain muscles and limbs to move in certain ways. 
So he has things that are almost superhuman. In the same way, there are some humans who have psychic abilities. They're like athletes in the psychic realm. <laughs> and doesn't necessarily go together with absence of ego. In fact, it's quite dangerous if there's a big ego that is hidden. Egos are also good at concealing themselves. So the ego is hidden and this person is able to bend spoons or to manifest things out of nothing. <laughs> well, it seems out of nothing, but maybe, maybe the sleeve is not nothing. It manifests somewhere. I haven't practiced enough, I can't <laughs> So those things are often, of course, often used, not necessarily often used in the service of the ego, but presence itself cannot be used by the ego. Ego can only come in once presence has been covered up, receded into the background, and then the ego claims something perhaps because there was inspiration there. And then with some spiritual teachers, you can see the difference once the presence has been covered up. Also, the quality of what they say is diminished. It no longer has the, the inspirational power that it had before. There's also a difference between charisma and presence that is sometimes confused by people. There are certain humans some are spiritual teachers, other humans that perhaps have certain powers or positions of power who seem to emanate a very powerful energy field. And that is also, in those of you who don't know the difference, can also be confused with spiritual attainment or enlightenment or awakening. Some spiritual teachers have both presence and charisma. Some have only presence. Presence is more fine, an energy field of a higher vibrational frequency than charisma. Charisma is a, 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 very, a very powerful, it's basically it's she or shakti that emanates from them. And I have described she or shakti, whatever you want to call it, as the bridge between the manifested physical world and the unmanifested formlessness. In between, as form is born out of formlessness, it becomes energy. It's the first manifestation is energy. You can't see it with your senses. And that energy is chi, and then that energy flows into creating form. So it's a bridge between form, and some humans are in touch with that level, and those humans have charisma. Sometimes spiritual teachers have, as I just said, have both presence and occasionally charisma. Or psychic powers can often come with charisma also. And then you have people who are in powerful positions in the world, and because of the energy that flows through them and the attention they're given by other humans, they develop the charisma. They, they are in touch with that energy source of chi. For example, obviously some of these are not necessarily great, good people because that energy can be used for egoic purposes. And in the past, kings often had that. In medieval times, m many kings were reputed to have the ability to heal. 
and so they called it the royal touch and often sick people were brought into the presence of the king and he would place your hands on his hand on them and many of them were healed and through the perhaps the power of the energy added to that of course is also their their belief that mm. in the presence of the king you are healed so it was their own power of course very often that healed them it's sometimes hard to tell the difference unless you're already firmly established in presence yourself between charisma and and presence and some spiritual teachers, I don't know whether you had contact with what you just mentioned, whether that was a spiritual teacher that you had contact with and then you witnessed what you just described. Yes. Yeah. Some spiritual teachers, I'm not mentioning any names, of course, whether they're alive or dead, I'm not mentioning any names, but there are some who very clearly had enormous energy outflow and people would get virtually addicted to their energy field. Whenever they came into the presence of the teacher, they could feel <sighs> And with presence, a little bit like that happens also because it presence in one human being awakens your own presence. But the teacher needs to point out that what you're experiencing is yourself. It's not the energy of the teacher. The energy of the teacher awakens your presence. But there's a misperception when humans are addicted to an external figure, to the energy that comes from that figure, they are dependent on him or her for their energy intake. But a very clear sign that they are not being enlightened is when they go back into ordinary life, they are just as conscious as, unconscious as everybody else. <laughs> so there's no real change, there's only an energy absorption which really the energy you should find your own source from within rather than depend on an external source for so presence cannot be used two things can happen either it's not presence it's chi in the service of the ego or it was presence but it became covered up ego reasserted itself and then made claims and tried to manipulate people for its own purposes. Now which one it is in your case I don't know but perhaps you can you will be able to see for yourself. The main thing is a person in presence, presence and ego cannot coexist at the same time. So the ego can be in the background but it cannot use, ego cannot use presence when presence is present. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. 
So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Uh, my question is, uh, should we seek professional help to recover missing or lost childhood memories? Oh. Professional help? Do you feel inclined to seek professional help yourself? No, not really. No. I guess I, a, a part of me is concerned that because I cannot remember that possibly I have a negative energy that I've got stored. Yes. I would not categorically say don't because usually the focal point of this teaching is, of course, the present moment and to address whatever is arising in the present moment. And often what is arising in the present moment is something from the past, a past pattern, a past emotion, a past feeling. At some point it arises in the now and it's, it's there that you bring your awareness to it. And by bringing your awareness to it as it arises in the now, something happens. A certain transmutation happens to that. The past gets burnt up in the presence. In the presence of presence, the past gets burnt up and when that happens, you may suddenly remember where that emotion that is now seen in the light of presence, where that emotion originated. So the, the memory can come spontaneously and suddenly when the light of presence shines on an old pattern that, that is arising in the present moment. And then suddenly you can sometimes see, oh, that's where it came from. That's where it started. In other cases, you may never know where it started, but it's enough for it to come into the light of presence and being transmuted through the light of presence. But however, this is generally, I believe, true. Nevertheless, I would not categorically say to everybody not to seek something that happened once. There may be certain cases where it is advisable to look at the past. I would say exceptional cases and only the person who is guiding you, who hopefully is quite present, could judge that where it's, it may occasionally be advisable to see if you can retrieve a memory. So. My first choice is always, and my first recommendation is always, uh, look at what arises in the present moment. And as you, as you are present, the past, in some form, will come into the light of presence. Through an event happens, it triggers something old. And there you have it. Where it originally came from is secondary. If the memory is there, fine, it suddenly arises. If you never know where it originally came from, it doesn't matter. It's now in the light of presence. You may have to go back generations where the same dysfunction was inflicted from parent to their children, to their children, to their children, to their children. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I've got two questions. The first one is, how do I stay present with my family members when we're all together? And this comes up at dinner time. I can be present with myself and present with one family member, but when there's three of them together or two of them together, my presence goes out the window and I get caught up in the drama of what's going on. And my second question is from my husband who's not here tonight. 
and he was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And his question to you is, how can he heal this? Well, let's start with the second one. Okay. There's something more important. Whether or not it can be healed, I don't know. There is something more important than the healing of that physical condition or any physical condition. And that which is more important than the healing, which I'm going to just briefly talk about now, is also that which in some cases brings about the healing. But that's not the main thing. That which is more important than the healing is to use the condition. In this case, it's a deterioration of the physical form, which comes slowly over years, as far as I understand, to use that to push you into intense presence practice. That's all you can do. So allow it to push you into that which changes the entire vibrational frequency of the physical body. When you, when you truly live in presence, which is, affects every cell of the body, the entire frequency of the physical form changes. If you do intense body awareness, you can feel that for yourself. It's an enormously enlivening energy field. That practice also burns up the ego. So the opportunity there is you have an enormous motivation to embrace the state of consciousness that we call presence. That's the most vital thing. And that may bring about healing, or if it does not bring about healing, it may delay considerably the onset or the process of deterioration that comes with that disease. So the predictions that the doctors make are not necessarily correct, especially if surrender happens. So surrender, it's not uncommon for the state of surrender to give you much more to slow down the progress of the disease. It sometimes also happens that through surrender, which is, brings about presence, that healing happens. But healing is a beautiful byproduct of the arising of presence, which sometimes occurs. But don't expect it necessarily to occur. Considering to the importance of the arising of presence, the healing of the physical body is a secondary matter. Because the arising of presence is so much more vitally important, because it is part of the entire evolutionary impulse of the universe, compared to which whether this body gets healed or not, and by getting healed lives a few more years, a little bit longer than it would otherwise live, is not that important. <laughs> As you are both embarked already on the awakening process, you can also help him. It's wonderful if the two of you are practicing presence. He would quickly become more advanced than you because his motivation is so much stronger through the, the physical condition. So it's a, it's a beautiful opportunity. Don't believe in all the predictions. Welcome healing if it happens. But don't believe that healing is the, that which matters most here. Whether he becomes healed or not, I don't know what age he is now. What age is he now? He's 59. 59. Nine. So in the meantime, what really matters is whether the flowering of consciousness happened through that particular form and whether he has 40 years to live or 
10 years to live is less important as far as the flowering of consciousness is what matters. And now your relatives? <laughs> <laughs> my children and my husband, yeah. yeah. So when they come together? At the dinner table and there's dramas going on. How do you lose presence? You get drawn into... I get drawn into it. I also have a special needs daughter, the younger one, and she wants my attention. My husband wants my attention and I have a teenage daughter. He usually doesn't want my attention at all. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, it's a dynamic there, and then my husband and my teenage daughter going at it, and, and me wanting to protect her, and then take care of the younger one's needs. I basically just want to run away, not come back home. Yeah. Well, that's also very good practice. Just be aware of if you are able to not lose your, when you give attention, as you must give attention, of course it's wonderful to give attention to your child or to another human being, but not to lose yourself in the giving of attention so that you are connected with the source of attention, which is within you, without losing this connectedness with the source, then your attention can flow and you can say something to your child, say something to the other, without losing yourself in that movement. And again, inner body awareness can be the anchor for staying present. So as you sit at the table, you have to feel yourself, feel your inner being. And then you're rooted in being, and then you can give attention. And you can feel the connectedness with, with being. You're not lost then in the mental realm. They may be, but something, if there's only one person who stays connected, it usually affects the entire energy field in the room, in the same way that a deeply unconscious person also affects the entire energy field in the room. And if there is a deeply unconscious person there, for example, a deeply negative person that may not be the case in your family, then your presence would have to be quite intense to counteract that. It doesn't fight it. You don't fight the darkness. Just the light needs to be stronger. You turn up the dimmer switch. But you have to turn it up anyway to some extent as you sit with people at home. There's also the additional factor that people with whom you share a lot of past, it's sometimes more difficult to stay present with them than people with whom you don't share so much past, people, acquaintances, friends, but family members, that goes back often a very long time. And, but it's a lovely challenge too. So practice when you're with just with one or two people there, and then there's enough presence power in you so that you can sustain presence even when there are more. What is required here is vigilance of your own energy, your own consciousness. Without the vigilance, we could call it attention too. As, this, as one Zen master explains that the essence of Zen is just this, the raised finger. That was his explanation for Zen. That's all that's needed, is attention. That means alert presence, vigilance. So it needs to be particularly strong when you're in the presence of a number of people who are 
mind dominated, as most humans still are. It needs to be particularly strong when you're with somebody who is mentally disturbed, intense vigilance, intense presence required. It needs to be particularly strong when you have a physical condition, and a serious so-called illness, then that can be the motivating force for, for intense presence of vigilance. You can see how, how much more helpful the, the raised finger is than conceptual explanations. You, you cannot conceptually explain what presence is or what vigilance is to the mind because it immediately takes you beyond the mind. And sometimes people ask, I had somebody after a week-long retreat some years ago <laughs> who asked, can you just explain again the, the concept of presence? I just want to hear again what it really actually is. I didn't quite get it. The entire week was the practice of presence. <laughs> but his mind said, I didn't quite get it. Of course it didn't get it, because he was expecting to understand conceptually. And he thought, if I just explain a little bit more, then he'll really become present. No. I've already said too much. Presence is just attention. Attention is non-conceptual intelligence. It's the spacious awareness, this. Attention basically means there's little or no thought. There's just consciousness, just the light. So you shine the light on people, and then you can speak, and the light is still there, and you speak. The presence is there, and the words, as I'm speaking to you now, the presence is there, but the words are also there. They come out of the presence. And if, if there's a child here that says, Daddy, Daddy, he just took away my toy. Tell him not to do that. You can look at him in, in that lovely presence in which there's also there's compassion and benevolence. It's all part of that. And you look at the child and say, OK, well, just don't talk now. Do you say whatever comes to you without losing yourself in, that, in the drama the daily drama, the drama of daily existence, the nervousness of that. So that's your job. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very sure. much. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi. I often feel um, overwhelmed by anger. And that anger like, uh, makes me uh, throw my spiritual practice really out of the window. It's like a big uh, impotence that I feel and uh, pessimism. So it's, it's not going to work anyway. So just yes. the hell with it. Yes. Uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is I also feel very often that something is wrong. So that I need to take some action yes. to correct something that no, probably it's just imaginary, so it's unreal. Yes. So there is no action needed, most probably, but I, I have to, to do something about it. Yes. So, uh, and I get carried away by that. Yes. Yeah, for, for example, right now I feel my heart beat very strongly. Yes. And I guess there's no reason for that, but... 
Um, well, you're, you're doing public speaking right now, so maybe <laughs> that's why. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. You, just, you acknowledge that the heart is beating and you let that be. And the feeling that something is wrong, that's not a personal problem of yours. It's a universal human condition that to carry that feeling inside that something is wrong. And then the mind looks for, for what can I do about this? Or where is it? Where is the thing that's wrong? And then it misinterprets situations. So anger. When anger comes, of course, the energy field of it immediately flows into your mind. And the thoughts that you then think are reflections of the anger. The anger makes you think certain thoughts. And as you put it, it, it says all that spiritual stuff obviously doesn't work. Yeah. These are thoughts that come out of the anger, the right. energy field. Yes, or whatever I do, it's going to be uh, always the same. And, you know, no yes. point of it because it's not going to work. So yes. that's the kind of thoughts that it generates. Yes. But next time it happens, see if you are able to, in addition to thinking those thoughts, well, at the same time, you can be aware that these are thoughts that have arisen out of the energy field of anger. In other words, see if you can have an awareness. It's not easy with anger because it comes so suddenly. Whether you can have an awareness, not only that there's the energy of anger flowing through you, but also perhaps that the energy of anger, which may be old anger that has lived in you for a long time, pain body, I call it, which can easily then rise into your mind and control your thoughts. Are you able to stay aware while it happens and recognize anger as an expression of the pain body? And if you're thinking angry thoughts, to realize that these are the thoughts of anger. Anger is thinking these thoughts. They are not true. So they are simply thoughts that reflect the energy field of anger. So the, the experiment then is whether you can stay aware as the observer or the witness of those thoughts and of the energy field of anger. You may not. I'm just suggesting it as an experiment. Whether or not you're able to stay present depends on how much presence there is already in you, how much presence power there is already in you. Perhaps after having spent some time here with us, there may be more presence power in you because this energy field is helpful for drawing that out of you. Once you are there as the witness, then changes begin to happen. You don't even have to do anything. Do you, you know what I mean by witness? It's simply to witness, to, to be aware of the energy so that you don't become completely identified with it. So the witnessing consciousness is in the same way that you now witness perhaps a certain nervousness. Your heart is beating. There may be a certain nervousness as you stand there. You witness there's the nervousness and there's the heart beating. And the witness allows everything to be as it is. But there's a, a deeper a dimension in you from where you're, you can say, my heart is beating. I feel nervous energy inside me. These are still verbalizations, but 
beyond the verbalization, there's the ability to simply see it, so to speak, then that will change all the old patterns. The more awareness comes in, the more the old patterns will change. So you don't have to change yourself because that's complicated. Many people try to do that. I have to change myself. The most powerful, the real change comes with becoming aware of whatever is happening inside you so that the anger is no longer you, the anger is anger and you are the awareness. You know it, you see it, you feel it. There it is. And that's the, that's the decisive shift from being the anger to having the anger in your energy field and observing it. It's a wonderful shift. So use anger as your spiritual practice. If you fail, of course, anger will immediately say, you see, you failed again, you can't do it. That's the anger speaking. There is something wrong with you. Yes, yes particularly that there's something wrong with me. No, I don't know if you're, you may be surprised to know that there are millions, billions of people on the planet who have that same thought pattern, there's something wrong with me. It's part of the human ego. So you bring in the awareness and that will change everything. That's the only true key. If you fail, next time you, the anger arises, what happens, you will become aware immediately after the anger has subsided. And then, oh, there it was and I wasn't present. And then the, the moment will come when you are there in the first, if you can catch the anger the first moment it comes, or if you might even see that it could be the result of a thought that creates the anger, and if you can be there in the first moment before it becomes the fully blown anger, then you can stay there and it might not even become fully blown anger if you catch it the first moment. You can feel the first stirrings of anger. You may only have three seconds. It may come very quickly. Anger is like an explosive energy. You may only have two, three, four, five seconds to bring the, stay there with your awareness and feel it. Oh, it's coming. There it is. That's the pain body, the angry pain body coming. And if you catch it in the early stage, don't suppress it. By catch it, I mean feel it, be there as a witness. Then you can stay, even as it grows, the witness grows with it. It may not even grow. We'll have to see whether it still grows into full-blown anger or not. That doesn't matter. And so be thankful for your anger because the anger can become a very important spiritual practice for you because through it, awareness can grow. So sometimes strange for people to see you can be thankful for things that you think are the most difficult obstacles in your life, but they can become your greatest opportunity for, for spiritual awakening. Use it as part of your practice. Yeah. I think the most difficult thing to, to deal with is impotence, when you feel it's not yes, going to work. Yes, you feel powerlessness. Uh, yes, yes, like a deep pessimism. It's not going to work. It's not, uh, yes. you're about to fail. You're, yes, you're and you have it. to recognize that these are thought forms. They are thoughts that arise in your mind. And when you're aware, 
you don't need to believe in every thought that arises. And that's an enormous freedom. You recognize it as a thought that comes from anger, not the truth. It's a thought, a thought form that comes from anger, the pain body. If a thought comes from anger, it's not the truth, it's a distortion. Recognize it and you say, oh, there's another thought form that, that says something negative, that the, you have, there's nothing you can do, you might as well give up. Whatever thoughts come, recognize that it's a thought form. Do you see how important that is? And it's always interesting to see how things have evolved as you practice now, what happened to you as you bring awareness into the anger, see what happens to it a year later. Thank you. We need to finish now. Thank you. Wonderful. It's just wonderful to see consciousness evolving, awakening in different ways, and that we can be thankful for everything, especially the difficult parts of our life, because without that, there would be no awakening. The challenges create the necessary energy for the flowering of consciousness. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.